podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. With me is the Mr. Insider, Mr. Sources himself, Mike Coppinger. Uh, I bet you've been a busy man the last 24 hours. Yeah, busy, busy. Uh, Fury Joshua, still no deal, no matter what's out there. And I'm not that optimistic we're getting the fight anytime soon. And when I say soon, I mean summer. But I am optimistic we will get the fight. Okay, let's break it down. So, yesterday, uh, we learned that on Saturday, that's just gone, all parties had signed uh, contracts, if you like. But what had they actually signed? Because the site isn't sorted, the date isn't sorted, and the TV situation isn't sorted. So from your knowledge, what did they actually sign off to? This is basically you know, the, the split, which has been in place for a year now, and then the other considerations, who would walk first, and promotional issues like that. So this is basically a preliminary agreement, I would call it, of... Fury and Joshua, they're going to fight. But when are they going to fight? Like you said, the safety is everything because that's how much money it's going to bring in. That's when we're going to... By the way, Fury and Joshua have to sign off on this site deal. So well, that's the problem. Right now, in the Middle East, there's still COVID restrictions. You know, you have Extreme E Racing and Formula E all have no fans coming up in, uh, in Saudi in April. And Saudi Arabia is the front runner for this fight. So if Saudi Arabia is offering, let's say, and this isn't a real number, but let's say they're offering 50 million now, they might offer 100 million in the fall when they can have fans. That to me is the issue right now. So have you heard anything because of this pandemic that Saudi Arabia or other territories in the Middle East are offering less at the moment? I have heard that there will be more money on the table if they wait till later in the year. That's, that's more than likely. Now, things can change. This is a fluid situation and there are competing parties. You have Qatar, you have Abu Dhabi, you know, the capital of the United Arab Emirates and obviously Saudi Arabia, which I think is the front runner. So things can change if somebody really, really wants to fight. And I think they want to fight now, even without the fans. The question is, how much money are they going to spend on that site fee? Because let's not forget Ruiz Joshua, too, in Riyadh, that brought in a site fee of $60 million plus. And this is obviously a way bigger fight. And I've heard that they're thinking maybe 120, maybe 150. So that's a lot of money. These guys are not leaving money on the table. And I see all kinds of crazy questions on Twitter. Oh, why don't they fight in the U.S. or the U.K.? Well, the reason is that they're not bringing in anywhere near that amount anywhere else. This is a business. Yeah, I know fans over in the U.K. especially are very frustrated that two Brits can't fight here. But, you know, we're not talking about 10 grand here, 100 grand, a million dollars here. As you said, we're talking about an extra $100 million. I don't think... Uh, the fighters are going to leave that on the table, as you said. Yeah, I think the, you know, I look, I understand the Brits are very passionate. I get that these are two British fighters and this is the biggest fight in British history, but boxing is a global sport and they're going to go where the most amount of money can be grabbed. That's going to be the Middle East right now. So I think we're all going to, have to be a little patient because I do believe all this stuff that came out about the contracts being signed was a direct response to Tyson Fury, who was understandably frustrated on the MCK broadcast on Friday and ESPN plus that he still doesn't have a fight. This is a guy who likes to be active. He thought he was going to fight December 5th in a busy, stay busy fight. He didn't get it. And he's put Wilder off for a while now. And really he could have got Wilder out of the way. So Mike, as you said there, we knew for about a year 
about the financial split, 50-50 in the first fight, 60-40 to the winner in the rematch. So, aside from who's first on the poster, who rings walk, ring walks last, was there anything else that was signed off to your knowledge? I mean, they, they signed off on all... Con- I mean, I do know they were sending contracts back and forth, redlining and making changes, and I don't know the exact particulars of that, but I, it can't be anything that major, right? We're talking about maybe flights, hotels, you know, et cetera. Because like you said, that the main thing is how much money are you going to make? That is what it comes down to. And we don't know how much money they're going to make until we have a site deal. So that's why I say, look, it's a nice step to get the contract signed. That means we're only one step away, but it's a big, big step. Yeah, the site deal being the, the majority of the, the revenue coming in this for this fight. But the other side hasn't been sorted yet. And that's the BT Sports, Sky Sports situation here. And of course, the DAZN and ESPN situation of America, which is going to be a, a big issue to sort. I actually don't think it's going to be that big of an issue from everything I've heard. I do think that it'll be ESPN pay-per-view in the U.S. with the zone carrying the rights globally, except in the U.K. And then in the U.K., I expect it'll be Sky. Um, and if not Sky, maybe it'll be some kind of collaboration, but I expect it'll be Sky if not. Okay, okay. So, uh, Mike, it seems to have gone quiet on the Wilder arbitration situation. No one's really asking about it. What is your understanding about Wilder's legal case at this present time. Yeah, I think it's, I think we're going to hear a lot more about it over the next couple of weeks because it's not gone away. I think it's just getting started now. So, you know, this is going to be up to the judge presiding over the case. Uh, the, the dispute resolution clause in the contract for the second Wilder Fury fight mandated that any issues pertaining to the third fight would head to an arbitrator and it is binding arbitration. So they're, they have to listen to the arbitrator. That, that's the final word. That is the legal mechanism here. So we're going to see what happens. But while this lawyer will make his cases of depositions and then the, the arbitrator will make his decision. But this all comes down to the deadline for the rematch. And that deadline for that rematch really was in October. And Fury agreed to push it back to December to allow for fans. Now, I'm sure Wilder's team is going to argue, well, if you uh, if you agreed to push it back once, then you were agreeing to push it back, period. Or maybe that, hey, it was a pandemic. It was out of our control. But maybe the Fury Fighter side will say, look, there would, we had fans in fights in October in the U.S. I mean, Trevante Davis, Leo Santa Cruz, there were fans. So why couldn't this fight have been ta- uh, why couldn't this fight have been held in October or November? It's just an absolute mess of a situation, Umar, and I don't really get it because Top Rank, which is Fury's promoter, was the one organizing the event, and it seems like PBC kind of just said, "All right, figure it out, give us the details," and then they kind of got burned in the end. So do you expect um, all parties involved to, to be giving Team Wilder a large chunk of money across the next few weeks? Like, What's my prediction? Or Yeah, is that, is that what you think will happen? Uh, I really don't know right now. I, I don't foresee Fury Joshua being held up, but I could see a scenario where, as we mentioned earlier, there's a lot more money on the table later in the year for Fury Joshua. Maybe if the arbitrator rules in favor of Wilder, they just decide, you know what, let's get the fight out of the way now. Because let's be real, no one thinks Wilder's going to be Fury or give him much of a much trouble. So I don't know that it's that big of a risk. So maybe they just take care of it. Who knows? Mm. But otherwise, I do think there could be damages financially. It's all up to the arbitrator and how good these lawyers are. And also, many uh, of your colleagues in the media yesterday come out and said that there's 28 days to kind of 38 uh, 30 day period. Um, both sides have Fury and Joshua to agree a venue and date. Is that your understanding as well, Mike? 
That is my understanding, but I think it's a formality because, look, these guys have already agreed to do the fight. I don't think the deal is going to go up in smoke just because they don't have a side deal in 30 days. I, I think that the side deal, I just think, again, this could be a fight that gets pushed to September, October, maybe even December, maybe even next year. We just don't know yet because Fury and Joshua ultimately are going to be the ones that have to the that have to sign off on the side deal and say, you know what, this is the money that's there right now. This is the money that might be there next year. They're going to have to decide. Well, we hope that fight happens sooner rather than later. But just let me give you the situation if it doesn't. In terms of Anthony Joshua, if he doesn't fight Tyson Fury, will he then, you think, fight Alexander Usyk? Because I doubt they'll want to vacate that WBO. Yeah, I do expect that if the fight isn't happening anytime soon, that the WBO would then step in and order Joshua to fight Usyk. So I expect that fight would happen at that time. Although I really do want to see the Usyk versus Joyce fight. I love that fight. I think it's a coin flip, and I, I, I kind of lean toward Joe Joyce in that fight, honestly. I just have not been impressed at all with the way Usyk has looked at heavyweight. And look, I get it. It's only been two fights. Maybe he'll look better, maybe. But if he hasn't looked better already, maybe he needs more than just one fight to look better and, and really get comfortable there. And I just don't wait. I thought Chisora gave him a hell of a fight. And look, I understand the boxing fanboys love Usyk. He's a darling for, for everyone. But... I think Joe Joyce, you know, he has a nice jab. He's a big, big guy. Yes, he's slow, but I think it's a tough fight. Yeah, he had a great win over Daniel Dubar, of course. And that fight, really, that WBO order for Usyk Joyce is dependent, of course, if uh, Fury Joshua can happen sooner rather than later. So in summary, Mike, before we close off, what would you say at the moment are the biggest issues standing in the way of this Fury Joshua fight? The site deal, the wilder situation, would you say that they're the main two? I would say those are the only two, yeah. It's just the Wilder arbitration and the site deal. But more than anything else, it's the site right now. And if you had to put a figure on it at uh, Saudi's kind of site offer or a Middle East site offer, how much money do you think is involved roughly across the two fights for Joshua and Fury? Oh, man. I think Fury Joshua could easily fetch $120 million in a site fee if, if, if uh, conditions are perfect. You know, mm. fans able to promote the fight properly, et cetera. I think 120 easily. I mean, you could be looking at, you know, 250, 300 million US when it's all said and done, maybe in, in two fights, two side deals. But all that also, of course, depends on how good the first fight is. This is another wipeout like Fury Wilder. Then are we really going to care to see the third fight? Or sorry, second fight in this instance? True, true. That is true. Have you spoke to Bob Aram recently as well? I've been trying to get hold of him. No luck. Uh, I think, believe Bob's in Cabo right now, uh, vacationing. So, I think he's just got back to the states today, actually. But he has been away in Mexico, um, and uh, we we didn't really hear anything from him, from Frank Warren, from Two Five Eight, who represent Anthony Joshua, from MTK as well. Were you a bit surprised that Eddie was the only one to be vocal about this yesterday? Not surprised. That's what Eddie likes to do, and uh, I think it was a smart play by Eddie. I think I think my personal opinion, Eddie was trying to counteract what was out there from Tyson Fury. But who knows? What's your opinion? Well, I mean, we saw Frank Warren's interview today. I don't know if you saw it on, on TalkSport radio station here, obviously in the UK, saying he wasn't too happy, but he said it is what it is now and, and we've got to move on. Um, and he's saying similar things to you, that a venue and a date, which are the biggest stumbling blocks, need to be sorted still. And I think everyone everyone's said that. But I think yesterday was a bit confusing because the more casual audience saw 
on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, oh, it's been signed, that's the fight done, when it's clearly not the case, anything. But uh, I know, I, I really hate that too, because now if the fight doesn't happen anytime soon, people are going to go boxing all over again. They told us the fight was done and it's not. So, yep, this is boxing now. Well, listen, hopefully in the next 28 days or whatever that period is, they can sort it out. And uh, if they do, then we can really start to get excited. Mike, appreciate your time on IFL TV and uh, we will talk soon. Okay, take care. All right. Thank you so much. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. Podcast Network.